0: This is Bill Knauer and you're listening to Author to Author where we talk about writing and about life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life as well as video and audio interviews, best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. I think I've been talking about my conversation with Willie Vallotton Great conversation. Great writer. Uh, That's going to be up there. New one coming out, though, in a little while, a couple weeks. Laurie Frankel, novelist Laurie Frankel. Another great conversation. Uh, We're also funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from to Publications since 1955. You can learn about the PNWA at pnwa.org you know they've got a great writers conference that happens in September now it used to be in the summer now it's in the early well technically it's still in the summer but in September which always feels like the fall to me uh, yes we're going to do it the second week in September and it's going to be a good one lots of good workshops master classes editors agents I'll be there teaching a class on the personal essay I hope you make it you can learn all about it at pnwa.org uh, well, people, we got a good one today. Ah, I'm so glad we got Henry Alford on. If you're not familiar with him, you're going to want to run out and buy all you can. He uh, Henry is a humorist and journalist. Uh, he's written for The New Yorker, New York Times, Vanity Fair, and uh, he's been a contributor to National Public Radio. But he's the author, also the author of uh, a book about manners called... I laugh every time I say this title. Would it kill you to stop doing that? He also has a book about the wisdom of people over the age of 70, How to Live, a search for wisdom from old people while you are still on this earth, a humor collection called Municipal Bondage, uh, and an account of his attempts to become a working actor called Big Kiss, which won the Thurber Prize for American humor. Oh, my goodness. But he's got a new book out, a new one called And Then We Danced, a voyage into the groove, and I'll let you guess what that one's about. Let's get him on this show. Henry,
1: welcome to Author to Author. Hello, Bill. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's good to have you on. I'm getting I'm lucky I've got you still in the sort of post-publication glow as we speak. This book is just a sh- a mere week old, is that right?
1: That's as right. Public- yeah. Wow. Well, usually Somehow- well in New York, they call the week before your book comes out the calm before the calm. So I guess now we're right in the calm. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a weirdly anticlimactic moment in a way, uh, publishing a book, isn't it? It's not it like a movie be. release. <laughs> Although you gotta I mean we talked a little bit about this. You got a really nice review, front page, New York Times. That's that's
1: gotta feel pretty good. Maybe yeah. Maybe don't care. Maybe you don't amazing. read reviews. That right. Do you it, read them? W- w- I just uh, people yes many people saw that that was a review that was so lovely that I cried. Um, and really? I t- yeah, and they had me on the podcast. They had me on the Times Book Review podcast, and I told the editor of the Times Book Review, you know that review was so lovely it made me cry. And she said, we try to make all the authors cry. <laughs> now you see, I did not know they had a podcast. It seems to me that could be a little
0: problematic. Because they don't always like your book. And what, and what if they trash it and then have
1: you on the podcast? How would that go? Uh, that would be awful. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you. Uh, I don't think they would ask you if they trashed it. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Okay, so it's out.
0: I want to get to it, and uh, so. But I, before we get to your history, which I am very interested in hearing about, I'm kind of curious. Like, so this is your fourth or fifth book? One, I can't fifth. Yes, am I? Yeah, I, I think it's my fifth. Okay, all right. I think it's my fifth. Well, if you <laughs> don't know. I shouldn't know. Uh, so, how do you like what? What? How is how is your feelings about at this point this as this part of the book journey? How has it changed? Your fifth book in. What do you go through at this point when the after when the book comes out? What's it like for you?
1: Well, I don't know. Each one is so different. I think the sort of the lesson of this book was because um, actually the, the book as published is sort of the book 2.0, which is to say when I wrote the first draft it was very different. It was a you sort oh. of pure pure memoir. And oh. they uh, Simon & Schuster didn't really go for it. And they sat me down and said, well, we're, we really were thinking more of a, of a general interest book about dance. And I almost bailed on the project. I was really hurt uh, really? and I, well, yeah, and I had sort of yeah. thought this is you know this is the way I want to write this book because I'm not a professional dancer, so I'm going to give you all these little tidbits of my life, but then the more we talked about it, and the more my editor explained to me how she thought I should do it, the more. I realize no, she's totally right.
0: Right, because this is an interesting book. And I have to say. So I write. I used to write fiction. I write creative nonfiction now, and I'm interested in the evolution of what we'll call the memoir, the personal narrative, because I see it keeps changing and changing. Because this book is memoir-ish in many ways. I mean, I know I learn a lot about you by reading this book, but it's not yeah, a pure, straight-up ha- memoir. Sort
1: of, yeah, I'd say it's sort of half and half, and it's half memoir, half. Cultural history of of dancing, um, and it worked out in terms of writing it. I the memoir part really helped me. that 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 gave me a roadmap because I right. knew I knew where to begin and where to end. Because essentially, that part is uh, you know an emotionally repressive. Uh, formerly <laughs> closeted super waspy guy <laughs> um, right. starts dancing, you know, he puts right. on a leotard and gets in touch with his feelings <laughs> to, right. to reduce it down to its um right. to its essence. so that part i i I knew where that was going, and then from that, I was able to hang all the cultural stuff. Um, right. Yeah, so I think that 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 it helped me to have a little bit of a road map going in.
0: Right. Well, so um let's back up a little bit. I I'm fascinated by so the first your, your first book was The Big Kiss or my or Big Kiss or or is that not the order?
1: Uh no, the first book I did was a a collection of humor pieces called municipal bond
0: oh, okay, that was your first yeah okay
1: I had worked at um the satirical magazine Spy back in the eighties, uh-huh. and so it was a, a lot of stuff uh-huh. I had done for spy, mostly kind of first person pranks and quests
0: ah okay, and yeah. so it was a collection of that stuff yeah I got you so but you've done a kind of a lot of like. What I guess you call it immersive journalism, where you go and do something and write about it.
1: Yeah, right. That seems to be my shtick. And, you know, as a writer, what has happened the past three books is I go into a meeting with a publisher and I will say, I'd like to do another essay collection. And I'll get Uh a very polite but (laughs) muffled response (laughs) because as your listeners probably know, in terms of you know selling books to to book buyers, it's that's the hardest kind of book. Um, yeah. Because for someone to buy David Sedaris or Sloan Crosley's book, they've got to know the, who those people are. That's and, right. And yeah. yeah, I don't have that kind of a name. So they, um, so my publisher. Not yet. Time, not yet, Not damn it, but yet. maybe after this maybe after this podcast bill that's right um <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> um, so my publisher's always saying, um, well what you know what are you interested in isn't there something that we could sustain over the course of an entire right. book so right. that's it's really hard for me because i 'm a <laughs> Sprinter, you know, I re- I to- I top out at, at about two thousand words. So right. for me to take on a sixty se- or seventy thousand word project, it's really, uh, yeah, that's a lot of work for me.
0: And so, but maybe you don't think of it in terms of sixty thousand words. You think of it as uh, thirty-two thousand words. Or exactly. I mean, doing my math
1: right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and indeed, in this case, so when the when the um, my editor sat me down and said, you know, the first the, your first draft doesn't really work. What she very smartly did was she said, you have all this in, these interesting examples of sort of the functions that dance serves. So what if we do a chapter about dance as rebellion and we do a chapter dance Uh, as religion dance as politics etc etc so then once we had our nine kind of uh categories then uh yeah then i knew exactly what to do
0: interesting and so because that that was so that's interesting to me because uh your editor was operating a bit like a, a magazine editor at this point kind of you know working on assignment with you. And so even though you had this memoir in mind, you were able to work with that, saying dance is politics, because my first thought is, well, what if I don't have anything to say about dance is politics? But you were saying, oh, that juiced your imagination up enough that you were able to do that.
1: Yeah, no, and as I say, to me, that was the big lesson that I got out of this project was – you know, I'm not really a collab. I haven't really been a collaborator in the past, and in this instance, right. I really was. And I don't. All I can tell you is, it just got reviewed on the cover of the New York Times <laughs> Book Review. So, so something right. good happened. Um, wow. Yeah, we'll wow. see. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that- and I think it's important. I mean, I guess my point is simply that, you know, we all have our working habits. We all think this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm going to – but I think it's probably just as important every now and again to switch it up and try something new, try collaborating, try writing in this third-person omniscient voice if you haven't done much of that. And maybe you'll like the results. And
0: so – but you said something at the beginning of that. A little, which was that you said – normally what I do is I go in and I, t- and I say to my editors, I've got this idea for another uh, essay collection, which, which suggests to me that in your mind that's what you begin as. Like I want to write a bunch of pieces and put them in a book. And that you don't think in terms of the overarching content of it first. You just think let me collect a bunch of stories because I've got a lot of them to tell. And yeah. that you then have to then find that form – even though you collaborated this time, perhaps in the past you always just think in terms of let me just collect a bunch of little things, which is what I do. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, well, like, and that's how I, I, I feel most comfortable, yeah, is doing, right. um, yeah, a bunch of four or 5,000 word long pieces. So – I guess, you know, there is a compromise. There's a way that there are certain, there are there are lots of books, lots of nonfiction books that do work that way. Um, I'm thinking of uh, Susan Orlean wrote a book called Saturday yeah. Night, you know, where she went to like 15 very disparate um, uh locations and situations and hung out with people on Saturday night to see how they oh, celebrated. Yeah. And so that's you know, it that's essentially it's a collection but it but it has a build to it and you're leading up to right. something. So I think that's probably the yeah, the compromise.
0: Uh so humor, uh you're you can you're considered a humorist. Uh you said you started working with so was spy your first sort of uh was that really where your career as a writer began cuz I know you obviously you at one point thought about being an actor that was in the in the fold at least but
1: was spy where you actually started your career as a writer it was yeah and i was really lucky cuz that was such a um a seed bed 'Cause one of the guys who founded it became the editor of Vanity Fair, one became oh. the editor of New York magazine, one oh, and the wow. third person is um at the New Yorker. So that I uh, so I just feel like the luckiest person in the wow. world. Yeah, to add how'd you get the gig? Uh how did I do it? Can you remember I, it's <laughs> so long ago, Bill. <laughs> My faulty brain. Um, so I um, sh- just started writing very short uh, sort of lists and mailing them in, and they kept taking them, and finally after like the fourth or fifth one, I said, would you ever consider hiring me? Um, uh. Or actually, it was more elaborate. I did the lists, then I wrote a whole piece. This is like a 400-word article, right. and they published that, and then I think I did a second of those, and then the next one I sent, I just wrote the first paragraph, and then I described, and here is what I would do in the rest of the article.
0: Oh, and, so and Like they, a little they took teaser.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, and that's how I got my first assignment, and then after I had done that a couple of times, then I said... Yeah, would you ever consider hiring me?
0: And was humor just – because there's so many different ways into things. I love humor. It was a huge part of – always been a big part of my life, even though my writing isn't really humorous in that overt way. But I just love humor. I love stand-up. I did did sketch comedy for a little while. And Uh I just think it's a great way – I think humor is a great way to get at the truth. It's one of the – and, but I also think – and I'd like to get your opinion on this, which is one of the challenges of the humorist, for at least when I was doing it, is to not sell what I think of as sell the truth upstream just because the joke that isn't totally true is the easiest thing for you to find. Does that make sense? In other words, you, you go for Exc- a laugh Yeah, explain sometime. that. I'm... Well, so I'm, I always think the best humor is the stuff that reveals the truth about life. Right? Right. That, but sometimes I would reach for something that would sound funny, but I knew was not totally the truth. But I couldn't find humor in what I thought was the truth, so I would do oh, this other line. Oh, I see. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's. I guess you know, we get from Shakespeare, we realize that, yeah, the 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 fool is is both the most philosophical and the funniest character. So yeah, there is a right. great security blanket in. Labeling yourself a humorist because you can say some really pretty awful things, (laughs) and people will just think, "Oh, that's you know, he's he's just being funny." Um, Right. But yeah, it's true. The funniest stuff is is the most truthful to a point. You know, as long as you're Uh not hurt. I think if you're, if people are concerned that you're hurting other people, then that's going to kill the laughter, certainly. Um, Right. And, yeah, and I think what you were mentioning, this idea of reaching for something that sounds funny but that isn't actually true, I mean, to my mind, that's a lot of what shtick is, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. That you think of even, like, racist stereotypes they don't really hold up in in real life. It's just this kind no. of presu- this presumed quality that a certain type of people have, whereas in truth, yeah, not so much. So, right. yeah, I think that's why the straining for for stuff, um, or that's where it what it leads to.
0: Although you said something interesting just then, which is. Uh, that if humor hurts, then people aren't going to laugh. But in fact, a lot of, there is a one vein of humor, which is very cutting, you know, uh, very, uh, in your face kind of, and stand-up comedians are more prone to it, but writers do, but your work. And again, I'm basing it on, and then we dance because I was not familiar with your stuff. until I got that book. Uh, and now I am. Uh-huh. And now my mother's going to have that book. I'm going to give it to her when she comes out here this summer. Oh, so you
1: know. bless you. But,
0: <laughs> oh, she's going to love it. Uh, but what struck me about this is it's such a kind book, uh, uh, Henry. Thank it's you. It's such a sweet, kind book. And sometimes humorists will, I think, lean on a little edge, but you don't do that so much. I mean, maybe at yourself <laughs> sometimes, but it's such a kind book. And I think that was a, that's not always easy to do, period,
1: but I think also with humor. So, That's well so done. sweet. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I do, I do try to be really sensitive to that, particularly because so many of the first-person stories that I write um, are situations where people don't know that I'm writing about them. So I'm, and right. I'm going to a dance class, and it's just either it's too much of a hassle to tell everyone I'm writing about this, or it's just not worth my while because I don't know until the class is over whether I'm going to write about it. Right. right. So I think part of that, yeah, so part of that, partly that makes me feel slightly guilty that I'm <laughs> eavesdropping, and therefore I'll, I'm never going to make anyone in the class identifiable, except for the teacher. I feel like if I've paid right. money to come <laughs> to your lecture or class or whatever, then I get to make fun of you. <laughs> right. But, yeah, but if you're just a random bystander, I'm going to pixelate your face, or I'm going to change right. the details so that, yeah, so that people um, won't be able to figure out who you are. One of the, I, So I love teaching
0: memoir and personal essay. I just I find it very moving having people turn their life into some kind of piece of art, you know? Oh yeah. And I, I think it's, I think it's a fascinating, the more I dig into it, the more I just love doing it myself. Plus I, I think it's very interesting to teach. Well actually, yeah, because I mean, isn't it, that's what, so I interviewed Nora Ephron before she passed away and what she said to me was her she would come to her parents with complaints. She'd come to her mom who was a screenwriter and say, Oh my day. And her mother would say, I don't want to hear it. It's all <laughs> material. Come to it me can. when it's funny, right? <laughs> and does, does, that, does that resonate with you? And Like your whole life becomes material in a way, doesn't it?
1: It can, yeah. And I think you um, – right. It, it does for, for good and for bad. Um, for bad. Uh, how's it bad? Yeah, on the good side, you realize that, uh, yeah, that every single day you're having – 10 or 15 potentially funny things that could somehow appear in your work. On the, right. you know, on the flip side, you don't want to become one of those people who's always cannibalizing their lives and who is making right. all their friends really uncomfortable because we, you know, many people know someone like that. And yeah. it just, uh, it
0: yeah. So you're trying to find that balance.
1: Yeah, and so, uh, you know, with friend, if if my friends enter into my stories, obviously I always tell them, "Hey, look, I'm writing about this, and I'm thinking," right. and I tell them what I'm going to do just to make sure. But I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I it's a really do. tricky line and and some people um you know, would you want to have been Joan Rivers or Kathy Griffin's friend? Well, yeah, if they're good about telling you beforehand. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but you know what's weird? I, I, so I I find this. So I write about my own life or I'll give talks and I'm using I'm the subject of every story. That's just the way I operate. Uh But what i found is when I meet the people who have either, like, heard a talk I've given or read something of mine, and they come to talk to me or they write to me, what I feel is when they read my stuff or listen to me, they're really – it's their own lives that they're reading about or hearing. The subject for them is always them, even if they're reading about me.
1: Does that make sense? Interesting. Yeah. No, I think there are a lot of readers who are like that. Absolutely. Um, And they really want – It's always them. yeah, the, the, they really want to identify in that kind of um, super personal way, and I, I think that's totally natural and human. I think it, if if you are that kind of reader, it might it it can be limiting to the stuff the types of of books that you turn to, because the more you do that, the more you're going to want it to be very specifically about you. Right. And and so this book is out now. Are you do you
0: do like a tour? Do you like to go out and give readings and do the whole book tour thing? There's fewer and fewer these days, but
1: Yeah, um I will do that stuff. It's sort of coming together now, which is very late in the game. But it is a
0: little later, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I think because of this um Super lovely review that we just got on Sunday. The, there's going to be more opportunities for stuff, so I can't really tell you um, a bunch of things I'm doing. But but yeah, I think gradually there'll be um, there'll be stuff, and and I enjoy doing that stuff. I, you know, I think it's part of the um, it's part of the pleasure of a book is is being able to share it with people in that way.
0: Well, also I would think, and I I would think that even though it wasn't your career you ended up pursuing, because you have a background in acting, so you must be reasonably comfortable in front of people, uh-huh. and because you write humor, I would think sometimes the most difficult part of a book, of a, of a uh, you know, an author appearance, can be the reading of the book itself. It's, my experience it doesn't always go so well. But I would think that that part would actually be quite enjoyable in your, in, when you go around and speak to people. Do you read yeah. from it?
1: I do uh, – yeah, I will, and that will, be, that will be totally fun. Yeah, no, I do enjoy yeah. it. I probably won't read the searingly personal stuff. That's probably not what right. I would go to first. Um, but, no, it's really um, – you know, there's some people – well, David Sedaris, I mean, he sort of edits his piece, pieces according to where people laugh. So there is that whole really? element – yeah there's an element of you know when you read stuff out loud, if you're trying to be funny that it's just a very quick barometer. it just tells you right away oh. where the laughs are um so that it's kind of fascinating, yeah to see so, to oh see, interesting
0: so will you so will you so if you're reading along and you get a big laugh at one place well that's do you think okay, I'm going to skip this paragraph here if I can and sort of do you, do you do that, too, where you sort of alter slightly the passage depending on the the, the temperature of the room?
1: I have done that a little bit, yeah, because usually when you're doing a reading, you have to edit it down. You have to edit down an anyway. essay anyway because it's going right. be to run too long. So, yes, in the past I have had instances where, yeah, where I was sort of, cutting and pasting according to what kind of reception the material got. And there are and writers who do that, too, who just, you know, when they're working on a draft of something, they will then read what they've just written out loud, either to themselves or to someone else. And right. that's a, it's a great technique um, oh. because you... I don't know. I think that your inner voice is probably very different from, from your, you know, the way a piece reads. Totally. Out loud. Totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, actually, when I teach classes, one of the things I do is I read everything. Everybody's work, I read everything so that they can hear their piece in someone else's voice. Because
1: Oh, great. Yeah, perfect. Exactly. You know, that way,
0: because it's never going to be what you Imagine. It's always, it's always, so it's very helpful, I think, to them in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Henry, uh, you're a very charming guy. I'm so glad we got you on this show. Uh, and uh, I can't wait for my mom to read your book. But uh, I got one more question for you, actually. I got one okay. more question. All and right. um, what I want you to do is I want you to finish this sentence for me. And that is, if writing has taught you anything, taught you. What?
1: what is it you? <laughs> No pressure there. <laughs> wow. Um, if writing, uh, what is it? Well, I guess it, it's taught me to be curious. Um, and I mean that in a crass way and I mean it in the most airy-fairy philosophical way. In the crass okay. way, I mean it that in terms of Getting assignments, the more curious I am about the more stuff, the more work there is for me. Right. Right. And once I get the assignment, the more curious I am about that topic, the better the piece is going to be. Right. That, yeah, if you're, you know, closed minded or or you have this preconceived notion of what you're writing about, I, I think that really works against you um, right. and then in the airy-fairy philosophical sense yeah I, I think that it just you know the more you can inter- the more the more stuff you can draw in to whatever topic you're writing about the better um, yeah. you know this looks like a book about a guy who learns how to dance but between You and Me, it's really a book about partnership. Um, for me, right. that was sort of the, the metaphor. And partnership is not something I was interested in previously, but I've now lived with my boyfriend for 15 years. so Whoa. obviously, Congratulations. So, yeah, thank you. So partnership is something I do no, all the You're time. You're not going to do the – are you going to get married? But we're not going to oh, get – I don't think we're going to get married. Um, okay, all right. But – yeah, but that's a whole thing I could bring to the you know bring to the book, um, and so curiosity is everything.
0: That is awesome. Well, you know I love the dance as as relationship because a relationship is a dance. It's not just one person dragging another one across the floor. It's a dance. You're both yeah. sort of equal, even if one's lead. It's really it's a good metaphor. It's
1: good. Yeah, no, and that's really that's so important to dance because yeah, and you're constantly finding yourself asking your partner, "Is this okay? Should I do this? Right. What you know, what do you need?" And that's for me, that's really hard because I am not that person. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're a writer. <laughs> exactly. You like to play alone.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Henry, congratulations on the book. It's a good one, and. I look forward to the next one now that I've discovered you. I can't wait for the next one.
1: Thank you so much, Bill, for having me.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Take it easy.
1: You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Curiosity, people. It's true. It's true. Whatever you're curious about, curiosity is the fuel for imagination. It's true. You can't help – oh, interest. If you're not interested, forget it. Might as well not be alive. Uh, Okay. Next week I'm going to be back, oh, with Jen Waite. She wrote a beautiful, terrible thing, a lovely memoir. Uh, not as funny as Henry's but very good uh, so I'll be back with that until then go be curious about something it's the same as love really curiosity it's just love moving in a direction